time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Last week, we talked about how uh, not to be a fool. And we talked about a family called the O'Fools uh, in a little made-up town called Loserville. And so uh, Loserville is not a real place except for some people's future. Um, and so uh, we, we've been talking, we're talking uh, this month a, a little bit about how to, we're out of the book of Proverbs, how to not end up being a loser. And so last week we talked about wisdom. And uh, tonight I want to talk to you about diligence. I'm going to talk to you about how to not be a slacker. And so how to not end up being a slackerton. And then next week you have the high privilege of hearing from one of the most fantastic youth communicators in our nation. Uh, he's going to bring a new family to you, the McLust Buckets. And uh, so uh, Dan Perkins will be talking about lust next week. And um, so you don't want to miss that. And so many of you need to invite your friends. So um, anyway, so that's where we're at. And we're going to talk a, a little bit tonight about being uh, slackers and how to avoid that. I want to remind you about the DSM by DSM. And uh, if you uh, can come to that meeting afterwards, that would be great. Immediately following this session, and um, and we're looking for worship leaders and preachers and um, people to do everything. Actually, we have a whole list, and you guys are doing everything on March the second. And so uh, we want to encourage you to do that stuff as well as I want to encourage you to bring your friends. So um, if you can bring, uh, maybe you're going to be leading worship, and or you're going to be preaching, or you're going to be. Uh, uh, or you just want to bring friends to hear what it's like to have a, a high school student lead, that would be great. So bring your friends, all right? All right, place your hand over your heart and let's pray together, okay? There we go. Father, we do love you. We love being your disciples. We would rather be your disciples than anything else. We love the high privilege we all have to follow you and we pray that you would help us. We pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that even tonight, as we talk about diligence, that you would help each one of us to become diligent and that we would fulfill the purpose of God in our lives, in our generation. We love you. And everybody said amen. 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 Uh, there's some slackers in the room. I'm just curious if you think you're a slacker. Just raise your hand. There it is. Just raise it up. Yeah, you think of yourself a little bit like a slacker. Okay. All right. Uh, all, of us, all of us can tend to be a little bit of a slacker. We know that we ought to be diligent, and sometimes it's easy to be a slacker. Some of you saw this up here, and you thought, that looks a lot like my room. This, to me, looks like most students in DLA's room, actually. And, um, and so I'm quite confident that this is what Kylan's room looks like. Uh, uh, and so this, this right here, now this reminds me of my brother, actually, uh, I don't know if you know this, but my brother was single for a lot of years. And, uh, and then God finally sent a miracle named Amy. Um, but my, my, my brother Dano, uh, my, I just got to tell you this because um, I used to visit his bachelor pad with he and like four or five other guys. And uh, they were horrible cooks. And so I, I, I would identify some of their ways as the Slackerton family. Because um, they would get a Papa John's pizza for dinner almost every night. Every night? So I'm not exaggerating. Every night. This is him on the front row. 
every... Okay, so Dan, so I'm not lying. You get two for one special, and they would get pizza for dinner as 19-year-olds every night. And, and so um, the funny thing is, it's not just that, that, that they ate pizza every night, but uh, if you went to their backyard, their entire backyard was filled with pizza boxes, and I'm not even lying. Like, like they do two for one, so two pizzas a night, so they throw two more out there, and it got so high that they stopped taking it out to the trash, and so my brother and his friends fit the Slackerton thing because they had, uh, so anyway, he's skinny now, but for a couple of years there, it was rough. But anyway, <laughs> thank God for a two-four fit, but 24-hour fitness. So anyway, but um, he's looking, anyway, so, uh, but, but all of us can do that a little bit. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm in a season right now where, um, We've got, we've got four little kids, and so uh, we, have a, we have a system, a tradition at our house, and that is that um, we eat our dinner as a family, and then, and then we play together. Like, we're just together uh, as a family, and then Renata, my wife, goes up, and she bathes the kids uh, and puts them down while I do the dishes. And so I'm a dishes guy right now, and I like that because I love to podcast and so I listen to sermons uh, every night, uh, except for Wednesday night, obviously, because I'm here. Um, and, and, and I wash dishes. And so, um, uh, but um, I'm going to confess one of my slacker secrets. And Renata actually doesn't know this. <laughs> so I'm confessing it for the first time to you. But um, there, sometimes I run into dishes that are pretty gross. And like, I don't, I'm like, you know, like if you cook, like Renata cooks a lot, so she'll cook like stuff in... And it'll get like in an oven and get real crusty around the edges and stuff like that. And, and those are really hard to scrub out. So I like like the easy stuff like, because I mean, I know dishes because I do it so much. So I like, you know, salad or macaroni. I mean, that's easy. It just whoop, it comes right off. But this stuff that gets burnt on, that's like, that's rough. And so um, I've developed a new habit that probably fits the Slackerton category. And that is that every time that there's a dish that I think is just too hard to clean, I just throw it in the trash. And um, <laughs> I'm just... I'm being honest. I, mean, I know it's wrong, but listen, there, there's, all of our friends are having kids right now, so my wife's baking meals for other women all the time. So like when dishes go missing, like maybe somebody never gave it back. And so um, I know, I know, I know all the women that are thinking I'm horrible, but anyway, and the men, and the men are as well. But anyway, so that's a, it's a slacker confession. Slacker confession, just... Just, just a small one. And, but I mean, everybody. I mean, lots of people have slacker stuff. Today on my on my on my Facebook status, I just said, "Tell me some of the lazy things you do that demonstrate that you're lazy or that you're a slacker." And I mean, I've never had so many people comment. They're like, Phew. I mean, they're throwing stuff out. People are like, "I don't pick up the remote with my hands because I, I pick them up with my my toes because it's too hard to reach down to the ground." I, I, someone else. I'm not, I mean, it's crazy, like, the different stuff I heard today by email on Facebook. I was asking everybody their, their slacker stories. And I got quite the response. I, I, I asked Jared Newman. And uh, Jared Newman, uh, I don't know if you know Jared. Jared, you like Jared. Jared, junior high, man of God. All right, yeah, man time. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Lots of love for Jared. Yeah. Uh, Jared uh, is, has what he calls a, the man van. And, uh, you know, Jared drives a minivan. And so, because that's masculine these days. Um, and so Jared drives a minivan, and in the back of his minivan, he keeps rifles, uh, ice fishing tools, uh, food, uh, camo. Uh, and I said, so why? And he said, because, you know, I just, 
I always want to go do those things, so, you know, I just kind of throw all of it in the back, and if I ever want to go, it's there. And so he, he calls it his, his man van, which I think when you keep all of your garage in your man van, it's a little bit slacker. And, and, there's, and if, you, if you do a little research, there's crazy stuff about our generation being a bit of slackers. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but some of the big-time gamers these days, people in the video games, have, have started buying Depends uh, so that they don't have to stop or push pause uh, on the Xbox, they can, yeah, and so that's, that's the epitome of, of a pretty nasty, pretty gross slacker, but they exist, and I'm not making up, I and mean, that's, that's true, and so, I, 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 I mean, I don't know what your story is, a lot of you raised your hands a minute ago, where you're like, I'm a slacker, uh, and, and, and all of us, I think, you know, would look at some area of our life, and we could say there's an area where we tend to be a bit lazy, where that we where we lack some, some diligence. Um, I don't know if you, if you lack it with homework or procrastination. I know somebody like that. Um, maybe, maybe getting up early in the morning. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe your snooze button possesses demons in it. And uh, it's not your friend. Uh, Stefan was telling me about one of you that Slip your plate when you go to bed, still with food on it, under your bed every night. And uh, that person will remain, remain nameless, but they exist. And so, um, Stefan was telling it to me hypothetically. I'm wondering if it's him. But um, all of us, all of us have, have seen it. In fact, if we're honest, you know, there's, there's this stereotype where we see this person that, you know, even that we saw in the video of, you know, the person that down the road does not accomplish much because they're lazy, because they're a slacker. And of course, you know that much is said of your teenage years, of these being hard years, of you guys uh, being lazy, and people stereotype the teenage years as kind of a lazy thing. There's lots of stereotypes. And and I I guess I could come up here and really kind of charge you to be diligent and say, hey, you know, be diligent, work hard. But I want to... I want to go deeper than that, and I want to talk about the root of laziness more than a charge to be diligent. More than just saying, let's choose to be diligent, and kind of like your parents would say, get up in the morning, do your homework, uh, or your teachers. I want to talk to you as your youth pastor about why. Why is it that we're lazy? What, 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 what's deeper? What's going on? That, that causes you to be lazy. Or a better way to say it would be, what is the absence? Why is there an absence of diligence? Why is there an absence of application? Why is there an absence of working hard to accomplish something? Why? And we get a pretty clear picture in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29, and I want to read this to you at the NIV. It says, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no revelation... Okay, so Revelation. So Revelation, most of us think, last book of the Bible. I want you to not think about, you know, seals and all that for a minute. Seals, like, never mind, people are like, seals? Like the zoo? But no. (laughs) They're like, I don't think of seals. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, don't think of that. Okay, but think about Revelation, meaning where there's no revelation, where there's no understanding, where there's no clarity of mind, where you can't see clearly, where there's no revelation... People cast off restraint. Where there's no, where you cannot see clearly, 
People cast off restraint. People cast off responsibility. The message says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If they can't see, if you can't see what God is doing, if you don't have revelation, a common prayer in the furnace, we pray Ephesians 1:17, like a broken record for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you can't see what God is doing, then you stumble all over yourself. You don't know what to do. And you waste your time. And to waste your time is to waste your life. And people that waste minutes will waste hours. And people that waste hours will waste days. And people that waste days will waste months and years of their lives. And many times we think, oh no, I'm young and, and I've got lots of time. But the habits that you set now affect how you live in the future. And so the reality is, is that to get down to the core of how we end up not being slackers is not so much to say, hey, let's grit our teeth and choose to work hard. That's a band-aid solution. But let's go deeper. And the core question as to you Actually, diligently working towards something is, what do you have a vision for? What do you have a vision for? And if you have a vision for nothing, <coughs> you'll do nothing. And, so, and a lot of teenagers, a lot of juniors in high school, a lot of seniors in high school, they don't have a vision for their life. And so it's easy to be chill, whatever, you know, and most of the vocabulary is this, well, that kind of language. Whatever, dude. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. But it is possible for you to possess a vision for your life and for multiple areas of your life. And so tonight I want to talk to you about getting a vision. What's your vision? What is your vision? I mean, could you say it? What's your, what's your vision for different areas of your life? Because if you, if you do possess vision, you could kind of flip the proverb on its, you know, on its head where it says, where there is vision, the people prosper. Where there is vision, the people are diligent. Where there is vision, people know what to do. Because you can see what the end goal is. And so I'm not going to talk about the vision of DSM, although we have some. I don't know if you've figured it out yet, but our vision is a move of God where we're reaching un, I mean, lost kids that don't know God on campuses through you. I don't know if you can figure that out, but we've got a vision and everything that we do and how we're, we've got a way we're trying to get there. We're trying to see a whole harvest of teenagers come to faith to know God, and you are the missionaries to your campus. And our vision is, is that all these different campuses possess on them burning and shining lamps of people praying, seeking God, leading prayer meetings after God. I mean, lit up for Jesus where young people look at you and go, what's different about you? And whether you lead them to Christ right there, whether you bring them to DSM, whether you bring them to Sunday morning, whether you bring them to your campus group, they see God inside of you and you lead them to Jesus. That's our vision. So everything that we do here, the end goal is a move of God on campuses across the city. It's not mostly hanging out here and eating pizza and popping balloons with our butt and laughing. That's not our vision. Some people, it's their vision. It's not our vision. Coming together, what's up? I know your name and let's chill and let's hang out tonight and oh man, no, that's okay. 
For some people, that's not our vision. But because we possess a vision, we're working toward it. We're taking steps. Baby steps, not always big steps, but we've got a vision. And so in the same way that I would speak of a, a vision for a DSM, you have the responsibility and the opportunity from God to possess a vision for your own life. And so I just want to ask you tonight, you want to, I mean, you want to get out of laziness. See, the lazy one, the lazy one lives like this because it's, their life's all about them and they don't care about themselves anyway, so might as well do nothing. It's all about me, and ultimately I don't see who I am. I don't know that I'm a son. I don't know that I'm a daughter. I don't know my destiny. I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't know who God's called me to be. I live mostly by the lies of the enemy, so I really don't care about myself. And so my, if my philosophy is that the end, the end thing is my happiness, but I don't respect or like myself anyway, then I live like a slacker. And I just marinate on the planet and take up space. But if you possess a vision... People with a vision for something inevitably end up working harder. If you've got a vision to be on the, on the varsity basketball team, you practice basketball. If you have a vision for something, you take steps, diligent steps. That's the essence of it. And so I want to encourage you on a few levels tonight. And I'm not going to just give you like, Hey guys, because we're Christians, we should work hard. Although that's true. There should be in us a motivation that is just simply the fact that we are told to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, to just plow like a farmer. And that's, that, that should be enough for us. Most of our hearts are moved by a vision of a better day down the road. And so I want to ask you, if you have a vision, do you have a vision for your heart or for your relationship with God? <laughs> Is your, does your relationship, do you have a vision? Do you have an end goal? Can you see it? I'm not talking about heaven. I'm not talking about, yeah, my, my end goal in life is to die. No, that's not what I'm saying. Where do you want to be in terms of your relationship with God? What do you want it to look like? Do you, have a, do you have a vision for what you want your heart? Because if you do, if you have no vision, if you're like, oh, you know, whatever. I, I, ultimately, I, when it comes to spirituality, I'm just going to, you know, roll the dice and see what happens. Then you will not have spiritual labor. You will not labor if you do not care about where your heart is. But if you look at Jesus, his disciples, men and women throughout church history, people that are alive today that encounter God, know God, walk with God, and that causes you to say, I want that. I want to walk with God. I want, whether it's looking at, I want to be like, you know, I want to be like one of the disciples, or I want to be, you know, like Abraham who talked with God, or Moses who talked with God, or I want to be like, you know, one of the, the great men throughout history, or the great women throughout history that have known God, or maybe you have a mom or a dad, and they know God, or maybe you know have a pastor, or maybe you know someone in Furnace or DLA, or, maybe, or your campus pastor, someone you know, they know God, they walk with God, they hear God, they talk about God, God is on their lips, they study the scriptures, I mean, they walk with God, and some of you, you go, I want that. I want to have a vision for my heart to be alive in God. And if you 
gain that vision, you will start to take steps, diligent steps to obtain it. But if you have no vision, you will perish. That part of your life will never flourish. It will always lie dormant. It will always just kind of be, whatever, dude. But men throughout history that have done great things, women throughout history that have encountered God, the vision for their heart, if you put that as the end goal, it creates steps that cause you to become a diligent person to accomplish that end. So, Charles Wesley wanted to know God, and he set aside aside two hours a day to be with God. Martin Luther wanted to walk with God. He set aside three hours a day to be with God. John Wesley rose at 4 a.m. every morning to seek God. You know the story of Daniel. Daniel, great man in Babylon that walks with God, prayed three times a day. And the issue of, of how do I get to where I want to do that... It is not, I am going to show God how much I like him. Set the demon snooze bar for 4 a.m. Watch this, God. I got it. No. In time, if it's just, I'm going to try to be diligent, you'll lose heart. But if it is, I want to know Christ. I want to have, Matthew 22, 37 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want the first commandment, what Jesus commanded to be first in my life. I actually want to do that. You know, like I don't want the first commandment to be seventh because really I love my sleep more than I love God. Really I love my food more than I love God. Really I love my comfort more than I love God. Really I love being popular more than I love God. No, I want to love God first. And if you have that, it, it causes you to become more and more diligent because you go, well, I've got to be at school at this time and so I need to rise at this time to be with God or maybe my school... Uh, lunchtime or maybe time with God after or maybe before I go to bed or prayer meetings or whatever it is, studying the scriptures. But the reason why you're lazy in your relationship with God is because you don't have a vision for your heart. And I'll tell you the greatest way to get a vision for your heart, the greatest way in terms of in my experience when I have seen other people, men and women of God, whether I'm reading, you know, dead people that are alive, were alive in God, or whether I see it with my own eyes, sometimes I see something, I go, I want that. I want that kind of passion. And that, that, that person who's willing to do that 40-day fast, that's, a, I don't have that. And I'm not trying to measure and all that. I'm just saying, for me, there's been moments in my journey where I've said, man, I remember, you know, 17, 18, seeing a guy that was like, that guy has touched something in his relationship with God that I don't know. I want that. And that produced diligence. So play it all the way out. Some of you have no vision for what you want your relationship with your parents to be. And you're like, when it comes to mom and dad, they're dorky, I'm cool because I've just been through puberty and I'm young. And so, you know, they're, t- they're wrinkly, old, dumb, so I'm smarter than them and they annoy me. And I think they're nerdy. And so you got, not only do you have a bad attitude, but you don't have a vision for, a biblical vision for what you want your relationship with your parents to be. But if you had a vision for what you want your relationship with your parents to be, it would impact you. I remember... My dad, when I was a seventh grader, I, and I'll tell you these stories over the next 20 years, but 
Uh, my dad was a, just loved me when I was a seventh grader, and I went through a hard season. And I remember I made an interior vow that I was going to honor my dad and love him because he loved me in a moment where I had zero friends. And I believe that God has blessed that for all of my days. I mean, I'm in my mid-30s. I still talk to my dad three or four times a week on the phone, even though we've lived since 1995 in different cities. But he's still my best bud. And I think that, you know, maybe when Ephesians 6 or maybe when it says in Exodus 20 that you'll be blessed in the land if you honor, it's the, if you honor your mother and father and it's the first commandment with a blessing. <laughs> you know, like the first ones are just don't do, don't do, 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 do this, do this, don't do this. And then you get to that one, it says, honor your father and mother and it will go well for you and you will be blessed in the land. I just want to just tell you, I believe that if you will have a vision to honor your mom and dad, no matter how nerdy they are, no matter if they've treated you good or bad, as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus, you'd be surprised. God will bless your life as you honor them, as you just straight up honor mom and dad. And I know I hear people all the time, they're like, I don't really want to do that. And I, 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 you know, I live in the family that breaks the rule. I know that it says it in the Bible, but <laughs> dude, if you only knew my dad, bro, if you, my mom, oh, so annoying, bro. And I want to look at him and shake him. Dude, it's a commandment. There, look at me. Repeat after me. Don't really. It's a commandment. We're talking God leans over the balcony of heaven, speaks to Moses, writes in the tablets with his finger, honor your mom and dad. If you don't honor your mom and dad, you don't have a vision to honor your mom and dad. Stupid. God cares about it. Yeah, but I got reasons why my mom's crazy. Shut up. Yeah, but they did this to me or this to me or they weren't there for me. No, 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 no. It's, no, you are a Christ follower. You have the living God inside of you, Holy Spirit alive inside of you. He empowers you to walk differently no matter how you've been victimized, no matter what they've done to you. You get the high privilege to honor them. <laughs> And it's a commandment. Finger of God, do this. <laughs> Read Exodus 20. Come back and tell me something otherwise. Have a vision for it. What do you want your relationship with your mom and dad to look like? Some of you, your relationship with mom and dad looks like this bedroom. Because you don't have a vision for it. And I, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what they've done. I'm talking about you. You, teenager, you, 15-year-old, have a vision for it. Have a vision for what you want your relationship with your mom and dad to look like. And if you have a vision for it, you'll take diligent steps to make it great. And instead of you laying there at 2 p.m. and you've been asleep since 10 o'clock the night before and your parents screaming at you and you just being like, shut up. Instead, there'll be something in, um, alive inside of here that goes, no. 
I, I, I honor them. I, I respect them. And I, I do not want to live distant, relationally distant and disrespectful. From my, I have a vision to honor God and honor God in my relationship with my mom and dad. Okay, third one is this. Have a vision for your relationship with your friends. Do you have a vision for it? Because you will not take steps to have great friendships if you, if, if, unless you have a vision for it. You should have a vision for, all right. Okay, so you break down. All right, Jesus had some dudes that he was really close to that he invested in. Then he had, you know, he had like three really close. Then he had like nine that he hung out with. And then he reached the multitudes. And so, okay, God, all right, what is the vision that you have for me? What, what should be my vision with my friendships? And you should have a vision and it will be different. Some of you will take kind of like a very clear, like exactly prototype of exactly what Jesus did and you'll take a model like that. Some of you will be like, all right, I'm gonna, I, want, I want to have a one relationship, you know, with a friend who's older than me so that they can help me and I want to try to bring someone else along and I want to try to have two lost friends. Great. But have a vision. Have a vision for what you want your friendships to look like. If you have a vision, you'll start to take steps toward it. If you have a vision that these three people, I'm going to make sure I tell them the gospel before graduation day of my senior year of high school and you say that to God. God, I have a vision to share the gospel with this dude, this dude, and this dude. This dude hates God. This dude hates his parents, hates me, thinks I'm a bit nerdy. This dude over here, he, oh, we just play basketball together and we never talk about God. But I got a vision that I want that dude, that dude, and that. I, have, I want to talk about God. I want to be like Christ to them. And I've got a vision that they would know God. And that whatever role I play, I'm going to play some role in their salvation, even if it's just a deposit. And years later, they look back and see me as a, as a, as a Jesus example. If you have a vision for it, you'll take steps toward it. If you have no vision for it, you'll play we, hang out, not... You'll, 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 just, you'll just play ball and it'll be of no purpose. I love playing ball, but have play ball with a purpose. You want to play we? Play we with a purpose. Start a small group. We for Jesus. <laughs> you know? Go for it. Great. We resorts, we sports, we retorts, all of it. Just, just, but if you, it's got to be, why? The big why. Why? If you have a, and if you have a vision for your friend, if you do not have a vision for your friendships, you'll just become, she's my friend, he's my friend. Oh, he hasn't called me. He didn't, we haven't talked in a while. I don't know if we're really friends anymore. He like unliked me and on Facebook and I don't know. And puke, sick, disgusting, slacker living. That's a slacker life. It's the lame life. Loserville. No, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You don't act that way. You don't think that way. You've got a vision for your friendships. Some people you need to reach for Jesus. Some people you need to get around friends that are going to cause your heart to come alive in God. Have a vision for your friendships. Have friendships. Have them for the right reasons. And the last one I would just encourage you is this. Have a vision for your ministry. We could do this all day with 25 categories. But the last one I want to hit on is this. You have a ministry right now. How many of you if, you, if you're a disciple of Jesus, I just want to know, raise your hand. You're like, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. All right, okay, so you're a Christ follower. You just raise your hand. You have a ministry. I remember I was talking to um, a, a buddy of mine. We were talking to a guy who's a pastor and, and uh, 
the buddy of mine said to him, hey, I would like for you to give me preaching opportunities because I'm a preacher. And the senior pastor looked at him and said, you're not a preacher. And he was like, yes, I am. And he was like, where are you preaching? And the dude was like, I'm not. That's why I need you to give me the chance. And the pastor said, if you were a preacher, you'd be preaching somewhere, somehow. And the preacher said, when I was 15 years old, nobody gave me the opportunity to preach. So I created a small group of Presbyterian 11-year-olds. And I promised all of them that I would give them ice cream at Dairy Queen if they would just endure my preaching for 30 minutes. And I'd line them up in my living room. I'd scream at them for 30 minutes. None of it made sense. And I'd take them to Dairy Queen. But I was a preacher. And I, I talk to so many of you and you're like, I want to go into ministry one day. And I love that. I love that. But you know what's going on inside of me? I'm going, really? What prayer meetings are you leading on your campus now? What are you doing now? I haven't heard... You want, to, you want to make disciples for a living? Who are you making disciples of now? I, 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 I want to do evangelism for a living. Who are you reaching for Christ now? No, I'm in Incubatorville, and I'm going to wait till I'm a grown-up, and I have, I've gone through more puberty, and I'm smarter. No. No. Start now. If you're a preacher, preach now. If you're an intercessor, pray now. If you're a leader, lead now. If you want to be a servant to the body of Christ, serve now. Do you have a vision for your ministry, where God wants to take you? Start now. Start doing it. Just start it. Just, just go for it. Dan Perkins was preaching when he was in high school. Dan Perkins is a preacher today, but Dan Perkins was a preacher then. Dan Perkins went with me on a speaking engagement when he was 15 years old. And Dan Perkins was a preacher at 15 years old, knocking on my door saying, give me a chance. I want to go for it. Dan was preaching. Look, he was going to his, uh, his, his little Christian school thing saying, give me a chance. Well, we don't want to give kids a chance to preach. Well, start. Okay. Rah! Create the opportunity. Go for it. Yeah, but David, we don't have it. I don't know. I, I wanted, there was only one slide to preach at DSM by DSM, and I wanted to preach, and you only pick one. I said, dude, go preach at your campus. Start a small group. I talk to your campus. Can I preach? Listen, Tyrell likes a break. He'll let you preach. <laughs> but preach. Go now. Have a vision for it. Go for it. Give it a shot. Start prayer meetings in the eighth grade. Or ninth, or tenth, or eleventh. Do something. But listen, if you have a vision for your ministry, start now. <laughs> but have a vision. Have a vision. The way that we wanted to see DSM roll out is that every DSMer has a vision for their campus. Period. Period. We want homeschool kids to have a vision to pray with us night and day, to fulfill God's call in their life. We have a vision that every kid that goes to a public campus, there they are. They've got, I mean, you've got a little city right there. You've got people that are there every single day. You, you go to classes with them every single day. They have to be there. You live in America, so you have freedom of speech. What teachers and youth pastors and parents cannot say, you can say. And you are slackerville. You are sitting on your duff waiting to graduate. Loserville. You're called by God to make a measurable impact in your generation. The dream is that we would see God move through you. 
Stefan can't go to every campus. Candace can't go to every campus. No, you are on the campus. You are called by God. You are called to be responsible, to be diligent, to make sure that there is young men and women that get to know God as a result of the fact that that young man, that young woman, that junior walked on the campus of that school through the hallways of that school, and they made a difference for the cause of Christ. You're called to your ministry. It's your ministry, and don't wait for somebody to hand it to you. Go fulfill the call of God on your life and don't wait till you're old. Go for it now. Have a vision. Don't come up with excuses. Go do it. Go do the stuff. Go lay your hands on the sick. Go pray. Go for it. Yes, you're going to be discouraged. Yes, you're going to have bad days and hard days. You know, do you think it gets any easier? No. You're like, well, maybe. No. No, it does not. The easiest days of ministry life for me were the days at Putnam City North High School in Oklahoma City. Because I had all of them there, right there. And they had to see me every day. <laughs> Since that time, for the last 16 years, I've worked in full-time ministry. My easiest years were my sophomore, junior, senior year, Putnam City North High School, because there they were. People that were far from God, and they had to be with this little scrappy punk kid every day. I'm telling you, it's your greatest chance. Don't wait. Have a vision for your school. Your vision. Some of you, it'll be like revival. Some of you, it'll be, I want three kids to come to Christ. This person, this person. Some of you, it'll be like, I just want to share Jesus one time. Some of you, God will get a strategy. But you have a vision. Well, David, how do I get a vision? Should I just copy someone else? Should I copy and paste David's vision? No. I'll tell you, I know the place where vision comes. It's this thing we push like crazy around here. It's the place of prayer. God will give you a vision. If you take and I'm just, stop Clutterville, stop doing all, I just take some time. God, how do you see Lewis Palmer? God, what do you want to do in my high school? God, give me a vision. And, and l- listen, some of you, you'll see fruit in these years. And some of you, you won't. Some of you, you'll just be faithful to what the vision of God is. But the verse right here, right here says, where there is, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. I don't know what to do. But, If they see, okay, God, this is what you're doing on this high school. And you know what? I got four years here. And whether you, no matter what it looks like, no matter, I'm not going to put the end on how it's all going to pan out, but I'm going to be faithful. This is what I believe you want to do at this high school. And then when I leave, I hand off the leadership to somebody else. And that's how we reach a nation. But you got to have a vision for it. If you do not have a vision for your school, you will be a slacker on your campus. You'll be a spiritual slacker. And it will be no different if a Christian walks through those hallways or if just an average slacker living for themselves walks through those hallways. You decide. You decide. You're going to make a difference? You're going to own it? Or are you going to just let whatever may be, may be? Here's what I want to do. I want you tonight to come before God in one of these four areas. We're going to take just a quick prayer moment. Nico, if you would come on up. And I want you to pray in one of these four. And here's the idea. Starting tonight, God, I ask that you would reveal to me a revelation for my walk with God. I want a vision for my heart. I want a vision in my relationship with God. Number two, God, yeah, just spread all the way across. So yeah, just, there we go. Just, yeah, just four, just all the way across. There we go. Okay, James, go all the way, go all the way to the corner. I'm, uh, don't be offended by that. If you go to the corner. All right, good. There we go. 
But in these four areas, I just want you, uh, I, I'm, I'm, in, a, in a second, I'm going to have you stand. And I want you to come to one of these areas. And I just want everybody to do it. If you're a Christ follower, uh, if, you're, if you're not a Christ follower, dude, you don't have to be a part of this. Just, just, you, can just, you can just chill. And we're glad that you're here. But those of you that are Christ followers, let's just pick one of these and say, I want to work. I want to have a vision for my relationship with God. Or I want to have a vision for my relationship with my parents. Or I want to have a vision for my ministry, what God's called me to do. I want to have a vision for my relationship with my friends. I don't have a vision for my friends right now. I'm just kind of marinating. Stand your feet, if you would. And while I pray, I'd like to invite you to come to one of these areas. And uh, it's just symbolic of your prayer to God. Symbolic. I want you to just pick one of them, and I want to pray over you. Ready? Go. And then I'm going to pray for you. Just go ahead and pick one of these. Just stand near it, just in the vicinity of it. hold them up so they can see. All right. Now will you just take a minute? Will you just place your hand over your heart? And whatever category, whichever banner you're standing under, would you just take a minute and just pray to God that God would give you a vision for that area of your life? Go. You and God. come before you tonight as just humble kids wanting to see the kingdom of God established on our planet. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to not live like slackers, but that we would be diligent in our pursuit of God and our relationship with you. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, for every young man and every young woman, Lord God, that's right down here, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them strength to walk out relationship with you, to have a vision for they want to be in you. They would have a vision for a life of prayer and fasting. They would have a, a, a vision for knowing the scriptures. They would have a vision for walking with God each day. Holy Spirit, would you touch them, God? Jesus, work in their hearts and their lives. God, for these that are wanting a, a vision for what their relationship looks like with their family, moms and dads and siblings, I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord God, that that vision would come alive in their heart and that they would take steps, diligent steps to accomplish it. God, we pray it over these in the far end for ministry. God, I pray, Lord, that campuses across the city would have burning and shining lamps walking on their campuses. The fire of God burn in their hearts. God, we don't want to play church. We don't want to do youth group. God, we want to move of God we want to move that is, no one can get credit, but it's just God works. God healed. God brought in thousands into the body of Christ. God, for these who have a vision for their friends, 
people that they want to disciple, people that they want to bring into salvation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help them. I pray that you would touch them. Give them a vision. Touch them, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. God, we ask, I pray for everyone here, God, would you give us vision? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work. There'd be more vision in our hearts that we know what to do with, and that we would work diligently to be your people. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.